I've realized that running has become this indispensable tool for curiosity and creativity. And I don't think that I could do the single track podcast really in any way, shape or form if I wasn't able to move my body in that fashion for like, let's just say 30 to 60 minutes before the podcast or just on a day-to-day basis coming up with content for it and getting to know potential guests and stuff like that. It's, it's as important as sleeping and eating. It's crazy. Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. Through personal and professional connections in the running world, I have the privilege of getting to know some amazing athletes. I've always been fascinated by the psychological aspects of running and what helps people to achieve success, however they define it. And this podcast is aimed at exploring this and much more. I hope you enjoy. We are psyched to announce a new partner of the podcast, Lauren Daniels. Lauren is a realtor helping buyers and sellers in the greater Denver and Boulder area and beyond, and has been a good friend of mine for a few years now. When I decided I wanted to buy a place in Boulder and put down roots here, I was completely overwhelmed by the home buying process. Lauren was already a good friend, so when we first talked about home buying, I felt a huge sense of relief. She's a neighborhood expert, has an incredible attention to detail, available for any and all questions, and made what could be a very difficult process super easy. And now we've got a beautiful home in Boulder. It's close to the trails with a big backyard for Alfie and views of the Flatirons. So if you're even considering buying a home in the area or anywhere, I highly recommend working with Lauren. You can reach her at ldaniels at milehighmodern.com and let her know we sent you. That's ldaniels at milehighmodern.com. Thanks so much to Lauren for supporting the podcast and helping us continue to grow and for all those miles together. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Here at For the Long Run Podcast, you know we love to talk about the bigger stuff and the deeper stuff and get down to the nitty gritty of what makes life interesting and beautiful. And while a lot of what we talk about on this show is about our physical capabilities, a big part of what we believe in here at the podcast is doing the internal work. The more we can do the internal work, go to therapy and get the support we need, the better we can show up for our communities, our families, and as athletes. And that's why we're proudly sponsored by BetterHelp, because like them, we believe that therapy is for everyone. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. If you're ready to do the internal work, go to betterhelp.com FTLR. That's betterhelp.com FTLR to get 10% off your first month of therapy. They recovered the car and you just got, you got a new one? I wish. So I, I spent an inordinate amount of time learning all the insurance claims and laws and stuff around stolen vehicles. And apparently we only get a new car if uh, there's a biohazard type threat. And for example, the person has smoked meth in the car. And in, in the case of our car, they just smoked a ton of weed, which is nothing. 
And welcome back or welcome to the, oh wait, that sorry, that's the single track <laughs> podcast. Um, welcome Finn Mendelssohn, uh, formerly known as Melanson, <laughs> to the For the Long Run podcast. John, it's awesome to be here. It's an honor to be here. I have, I want to say a couple things before we start. I've greatly appreciated the opportunity to frequently brainstorm together and work together in this space. And we were joking offline that uh, I did a run about an hour and a half ago and spent that whole entire time gathering my thoughts because you were on the single track back in December. I think it was really well received by the audience and you delivered a ton of value. So the pressure is on to reciprocate here to some extent to the best of my ability. So I believe you you went on a 69-minute run, so you had plenty of time to cover your thoughts and think about <laughs> what you were going to say. So with that nice time that you had, what conclusions did you come to? That I'm just a fellow human being, uh, totally confused, feeling totally inadequate, and uh, this may very well devolve into a uh, therapy session live. As it often does. <laughs> um, so you share similar feelings as many people. I think so. Um, I think a lot of people, so I wouldn't necessarily call that imposter syndrome, but um, shades of perhaps I do as well. Many people do. And it's interesting that like people who have Olympic medals and whatnot, like nobody is immune to that kind of stuff. But before we dive into an hour of therapy for, for Finn Melanson here, or Mendelssohn, depending on who you ask, um, who is Finn? Huh. So I hope you're preparing am, for this question. <laughs> it's funny. I, I'm a frequent listener of the podcast. I knew this question was going to come if any question prepared was going to come. And I was wondering how I was going to approach it and even whether I should challenge it because I've certainly, without going into too much detail, I've certainly had experiences in life that have dissolved the sense of self and led me to believe that this mind and body is just a very interdependent node on the collective consciousness of humanity. But that's a boring cop-out answer. I'm very well aware of that. So um, now to put it in a running context, one of the cool things about the act of running, one of the aspects that I've been so blown away by and grateful for is that it brings all the fundamental questions to the surface of our awareness. And I would say that, especially in the last five years, more than any stretch of time, largely due to getting into this space, uh, I've carefully considered my existence, my beliefs, my hopes and dreams what I can contribute, how I can be helpful. So I think I want to answer the question in terms of what I do and what motivates me. So on a day-to-day -day basis, I serve as the host of the Single Track Podcast, which covers the pro mountain ultra trail running scene. Practically, this means I do a lot of pre- and post-race interviews with top athletes around events like Western States, uh, UTMB, the Havelina 100 that just happened. Um, but I also really enjoy you know, the lifestyle and the economic components of being a pro runner. We talked about that the last time you were on the show. So we entertain a lot of conversations about sponsorship, career aspirations, stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, I could go on, but that's, that's where I'm at right now. I am a host. I'm a host and I'm an active participant in the, uh, the trail and ultra running scene. I'll leave it at that for right now. I love that. Um, you had an interesting conversation on another podcast that I was listening to yesterday and I'm blanking on the name of the podcast, but I know that he listens to this one. So we have to reference it. What was the name of the podcast you were just on? Oh, uh, Joe Corsione, Everyday Ultra Podcast. I actually just had a chance to meet him down at Javelina. He's a great guy and very excited that he's, uh, he's in the scene. He's sort of an up and comer uh, podcasting type. 
Yeah. So I was, um, I love the conversational aspect of that podcast. And I love some of the stuff that you were saying on there, specifically around adding value. And you recently took the jump, took the leap of faith to go full time in podcasting. Yeah. And I believe the dialogue was around like, how do you know what you're doing? And what's what's your goal? And how does running play into it? And you said two things that were particularly interesting that really resonated um, both right now and potentially a way that I'll feel at some point in the future. The first was you just want to add value and you see a problem and you want to help contribute to it. And for you, the the conversation is around like uncovering things that need to be spoken about in the sport. At some point, you'll help fix these problems and the conversations around equitability and compensation and the dichotomy between male-female compensation, like that line will disappear if if you, you know, do it right or if somebody contributes yeah. properly. I found that to be super interesting that like your your mission of creating the podcast was in the fulfillment of helping others, which I love. The other piece, and then I'll shut up, I promise, that you talked about your own goals around running. There's no structured training. It's not about doing the workout. It's not. It's like a place to rectify what's going on in your brain and a place to think through the challenges of the day. And yeah. I've, I found that like really liberating in a way. And like, I, I truly enjoy the process of following a structured training plan, training for a race, but I also like, don't, I also don't need it. And this past summer, like my only goal was be fit enough to do whatever I want from a training perspective. And I was still following a training program, but it wasn't around a specific race or, or what, or even an adventure. Yeah. Um, maybe one day that'll be how I think about my own training and, and whatnot. But I just want to thank you for like putting those two very different thoughts out there. Um, because I'm sure that gave a lot of people a lot to think about in terms of what they're bringing to the world and then how they approach thinking about their own running. For sure. I really appreciate that. And, you know, I had, a, I actually, I, I rarely listen to my own podcasts or stuff I've been on because I think like a lot of people, there's some weird explanation in like biology, but I just, it's, I can't stand the sound of my voice. Your voice. Which I know, yeah. <laughs> it, it's super weird. And like, I'm, I'm super bugged out by it and I just don't do it. But I, I did tune into that one just because it was the first time I had ever been on someone else's podcast before. And yeah, I, and I'd, I'd almost want to throw this back to you. I apologize for becoming a podcaster on a show I'm supposed to guest on, but like, do you go through any routines to get ready for a show? Like beyond just like the research of getting to know the person um, and you're supposed to do research and stuff and like that. To- <laughs> so the, the joke, the joke is that when Finn had me on his podcast, we had like an hour phone call prior and yeah. he took a bunch of notes and he took, you know, and it was very well thought out. It was very intentional. I am more of a fire from the hip and just like have a bunch of topics that I find interesting and I'm curious about. Like literally the only thing that I intentionally intended to mention in this podcast were the two things that I just mentioned already and, and, and make the Mendelssohn joke. <laughs> well, it's in, in, in this particular case, I meant it more like, um, in the same way that we do like dynamic warmups and stuff before a workout, I, I've started to think critically about like, how should I get ready 
before I hit the record button on a podcast, like, should I go on a run and clear my mind? Should I drink like a specific cup of tea? Is there some sort of routine that I should go through beyond the preparation of like the questions and stuff like that to make sure that like I'm as present as possible and that I'm in like a mental state that is like by default generous, you know, stuff like that. And I know that like this is second nature to athletes, but given that the podcasting space is so new, I wonder if uh, we have any responsibility to go through like the warmups in some fashion. And I'm curious what you think about that. So it's, yeah, it's an interesting exploration. My warm up is uh, consists of going pee and making sure I have a cup of water. <laughs> I mean, like I, I I like getting into a proper headspace. I think it's important to like get up and move a little bit prior. I think it it stimulates the stuff going on in your brain that allows you to be creative and and whatnot. Um, I, I usually do podcasts at the end of the workday. So it's still like three, four o'clock mountain time, but I've been working since 6 a.m. Yeah. Um, usually. So, I mean, sometimes I'll do it during the day as well, but it's usually like right now it's 3.42 mountain time. So my, my work day is over. I've done a lot in the day and it helps to, you know, go, particularly for someone like you don't have a, a rapport with, like go for a walk, go clear your head, um, do these types of things. But it's a good question and maybe I'll, you know, explore being a little more um, intentional around it, but it's, it's not something I, I think about to answer your question. And perhaps well, one it thing, should be. Oh yeah, no. I mean, one thing, and I think I mentioned it on the conversation with Joe from Everyday Ultra, I've realized that running has become this indispensable tool for curiosity and creativity. And I don't think that I could do the single track podcast really in any way, shape or form if I wasn't able to move my body in that fashion for like, let's just say 30 to 60 minutes before the podcast or just on a day-to-day -day basis coming up with content for it and getting to know potential guests and stuff like that. It's, it's as important as sleeping and eating. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't think I could do anything as well uh, without that kind of stuff. And I mean, we're doing this on a Monday and I don't run on Mondays, but yeah, I mean, it's so much so that sometimes I'll schedule my most important meeting of the day, like right after I'm finishing a run. And so mm. like when I need to be my creative and most present self, it's often for a 10 o'clock meeting or a, a nine o'clock meeting, 11 o'clock meeting, whatever. And I'll, I'll get back. I'll give myself, I don't know, 30 minutes to clean up, eat fuel, et cetera. And I find like in that moment, I, I have either thought about something that I want to talk about in that meeting, or I'm just in a place where I can, where I can be creative and fully present and and whatnot. And I think it's a it's a another good excuse to talk about how different life is working from home versus being in an office. And like I truly don't know how I did it prior because because like. You you can't just like go for a run before an important meeting. I guess you could go for a walk. If you think about it, like people who smoke have the excuse to go outside and like go walk around for five minutes. Like, what if you just told your boss, "Yeah, I'm going out for a smoke before this meeting." <laughs> like, it's equivalent to like I'm going for a, a run around the block in terms of the the time. But it one's acceptable and the other's not. But maybe we're getting to a place where like this type of preparation or mental preparation is is more valid than 
the ability to stand outside. I, <laughs> I, I think back to a, um, a snowy run in Boston and it was like absolutely dumping snow. And I run by this guy standing outside smoking. And I was like, he's like, man, you're dedicated. I was like, no, you're dedicated. You're standing outside. It was actually raining. Uh, I was like, you're standing outside in the rain. Like this can't be fun. At least I'm having fun. Um, so yeah, maybe there's some, some, or a lot of validity to the like mental preparation through physical movement. Uh, we should, I should go back and do another round with Brad Stolberg on, <laughs> on that topic. That was a great podcast by the way. And I know like, for example, you and myself and Scotty Coomer and other folks in the running podcasting space have started to hash this out in Twitter threads, but I do believe to some extent that what we do is a performance, even though, especially like what we're doing right here, it's totally genuine. It's not scripted. We don't have any particular agenda other than hoping that in some way, shape or form, this provides value to listeners. I do see it as a performance and anytime I'm involved in a performance, I I feel like there has to be some contained amount of time beforehand where uh, I'm like in the figurative locker room or out on the court, you know, What's your pump getting, up music. <laughs> Finn's I, I walking have, out to Taylor Swift, 3am edition. <laughs> it's funny. I'm actually going to my first concert since COVID started. I'm going to the Dave Matthews band here nice. in Salt Lake city on Wednesday night. And I'd say that that type of music is probably more my jam, but, uh, I would have I, guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was, I'd say early 2000s jam band slash, I don't know, U2, Coldplay, Dave Matthews Band is probably my core three from from back in the day. But I don't have a, I don't have a, a warm-up song. I don't know. I, maybe, maybe what we'll do is I'll, I'll throw together a Word document after this uh, episode concludes and I'll kind of brainstorm the ideal warm-up routine for what we do. So you're telling me that Okay, so so one of the things you talked about was how the single track podcast is doing a lot of pre-race interviews. And so you have weeks where you put out what, six to ten podcasts. How how are you right? Like I'm I'm often like amped when I finish a, a fun recording. How do you get up, get down, get up, get down, get up, get down um, that many times in a day? And and I asked that like I've I've talked with Emily Body. A number of times about this and she's like she'll record three or four podcasts in a day and those are like hour to two hour podcasts the pre-race ones are i don't know 15 20 minutes which isn't to downplay it but like you're doing a lot of them how do you how do you do that and i'm super self-conscious about it in a sense because and maybe we'll talk about the attention span of the audience as well as how many times on a day-to-day basis week-to-week basis month-to-month basis they want to be quote unquote, interrupted with a new episode in their feed. And if they feel overwhelmed about, you know, keeping up and listening to everything, like maybe we'll talk about what the ideal format is later on in this conversation. Um, There's a couple ways I make it happen. Number one, uh, this is going to sound super weird, but I basically have this massive Google doc in my email drive. And I have all of the athletes listed out in our sport that I think are interesting or are at some point going to be involved in these races. And I just, to add notes, it's, it's like a, it's like a running encyclopedia. And like, if I, maybe like two weeks ago, I listened to an episode with Abby Hall and she's recapping her experience at Transvolcania and UTMB. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what, 10 months down the line, I'm going to be having her on the show 
uh, pre-race for the 2023 UTMB. And I have these notes ready so that by the time it's time to have her on, no research is involved, no prep is needed. It's already there. So in a sense, I am at all hours of the day collecting notes on people that I think I'm going to have on at some point. And so while it may seem like crazy hectic and like I'm improvising, uh, I've had files and I know that sounds creepy, but I've, I've had like running files on all of these. Yeah. I've had files on all these people for, for at least a year now at this point, and it's only going to grow larger. Um, there's actually a couple people in like the note taking world, David Perel, Tiago Forte, um, kind of like the Nat Elias and all these like productivity gurus that you see in tech Twitter. I kind of took to their philosophy maybe three or four years ago and applied it to the running podcasting space and it hasn't let me down. I also think I benefit. I think that like if I have a superpower, it is the ability to grind. I, I can grind. Um, now, does it come at the expense of quality? In some cases, it may. Like I don't, to date, I've never been disappointed in how I conducted an interview, but I think you're always running that fine line because I, I am so... I try to be as as generous to the audience and when I'm producing an episode, tying it back to how can they get value out of it and just having true empathy. And I'm always wondering, like, is what I'm doing, is my style gonna gonna undercut that to some degree? And uh, so far, except for a few people, I haven't had much negative feedback. Um, the, you know, the listener numbers are growing and stuff like that. And it, it appears like average completion rates are increasing. So, um, but I'm always kind of prepared for a day where it's like, maybe I should scale it back. It's interesting. Um, talk about adding value. In our conversation on your podcast, we, um, we, we both made the offer for people to reach out and chat with us about sponsorship and yes. you know that kind of stuff. Abby was one of the athletes that reached out and we had a really awesome 30-minute uh, conversation around how to be more creative when it comes to athlete she's awesome. sponsor relationships. Yeah, she's very smart. Um, and coming at it from a really interesting perspective where Adidas is her main sponsor and head to toe. So you don't really have the ability to do anything else on the body. Uh, and I was like, well, think about in the body and what are you eating? And, um, you know, the, the non-endemics and this kind of stuff. And that's, that's a topic we've spoken about at length. Um, but I find so fascinating of like, what are the, what are the non-running brands that should be playing in this, in this space? We could, we could do another two hours on on that topic. Um, so, so I was on Finn's podcast, and we we literally did go two hours on on that topic and and much more. And uh, I cleared my schedule, by the way. So, however long you want to go, if we want to break any rules, I'm down. <laughs> Scotty, Scotty would be ashamed if we don't go at least four hours. Oh yeah. What about the the Lex Friedman eight hour podcast model, where it's like you must book a transatlantic flight in order to get through. <laughs> in order to get through this. This podcast is called For the Very Long Run. <laughs> For the 50 mile. <laughs> For the 50 mile, yeah. If you're finishing this in one run, congrats. You you deserve to take tomorrow off. <laughs> <laughs> um, jokes aside, uh, so I was on Finn's podcast, um, what was that, August or September? That, September. That episode, if it hasn't already, will be re-airing on this stream as well, um, that will be aired on December 23rd. So just uh, giving the audience some some intel there. Um, anyway, I'm curious. Let's, let's rewind it back. 
Fair quite a bit. So more than a year ago. Your podcast is a little more than a year old. You've put out 150 episodes. First episode was launched August something, 2021. And I, I do want to say one thing there. It was with Dylan Bowman. And I am eternally grateful for Dylan because I was still am, but at that point I was very much an absolute nobody. Just somebody that had randomly decided to start a podcast, no audience. It was just maybe probably me re-listening to the episode and my mom out of pity listening as well. And Dylan's like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. I think we had to cancel once and I canceled and he still was willing to you know, do a round two, make it work. And anyways, because Dylan is who he is, he's so interesting. He's doing cool stuff in the sport. He instantly added a layer of legitimacy to it and it made it very easy to get subsequent guests to come on the pod. So that's something that I am eternally grateful for, that he, he created like momentum, inertia, et cetera, for the podcast. And um, sorry for that little aside, but I, I, I tell him very often that I'm grateful for what he did there. And what he's doing for the sport in general. I mean, he took a gamble on leaving North Face and doing his own thing as a creator. And now he's got uh, another podcast in his network with Trail Society, and they're doing incredible things. I had Dylan on the podcast we were, let's see, it was in Tahoe, so it would have been in uh, this past summer. Anyway, uh, he's great. He's fantastic. Um, listen to go check out Free Trail uh, as well. Yep. So fa- uh, rewind, it's summer 2021. Finn is thinking, hmm, there aren't enough white guys with podcasts out there. I, I, need, to, I need to start one as well. <laughs> Why? I mean, there's no question that part of it is ego because what I'm going to be, what I'm about to tell you is super ego laden, but I, I felt like I had something to add to the conversation. And, you know, I do have a marketing background and one of the first sort of rules you learn about in marketing is uh, create the content that you wish existed out in the world, or at least the content that you're really excited about consuming. So I, I think, think the phrase is be the change you want to see in the world. <laughs> That and live, laugh, love or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, 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 yeah, there was just, I, you know, I'm a, I think probably like you, probably like a lot of other podcasters, I avidly consume a ton of audio around our sport and I was keeping a, a running tally of what I was enjoying and what I wasn't enjoying and any, any gaps in the field. And I mean, if I go back into other people's catalogs, like for sure, I, I was in no way reinventing the wheel. Like I just the other day listened to the conversation you had with um, Gwen Jorgensen's husband there, Patrick, about just like being an agent in the running world. And so like the conversations had already existed, but at least in, in the trail running world, I just, I wanted to make it just as common as the conversations we have about like, oh, how'd you do at Western States? What was your nutrition? How'd you train? What does it feel like to win? What are the next steps? Like I wanted to make these conversations about the economics of the sport, the athlete sponsor relationship, the agent conversation, uh, the career aspiration conversations as common as uh, the performance type stuff. And, uh, you know, I go back to that grind mentality. I felt like I had the energy and the willpower to stick with it for at least a couple of years. And I know that this comes as no surprise to you, but podcasting is totally a grind and building an audience is totally a grind. And I just told myself like, don't even look at the metrics, just do this for like two or three years and then see where you're at. Um, I felt like I just had all of that uh, willpower to just press start and go. So 
that was it. And I, and I was in a super hospitable environment too. Like there were people around me that were fellow content creators and, uh, they were holding me accountable and it was very heady times. And I, I think I mentioned this on the, in the conversation with Joe from everyday ultra, but in a lot of ways we felt like indie rockers. Like we had these like countercultural things to say and we felt like oppressed and like we were building an audience and it was tough times. And we were just kind of like banding together and making it work. And, uh, I had like that going for me too, which was, which was super cool. Um, so it was, it was a confluence of events. So day one, that's why you hit record the first time. Why'd you keep coming back or why do you keep coming back? I think I keep coming back because it's an excuse to talk with people like you. Like, I think we'll talk about this later in the podcast, but uh, one of my favorite things to do, and I, I actually tweeted this out the other day, is to kind of close up my laptop and right around like 2 or 3 p.m. when you start to get like totally exhausted and you have that like internet brain where just like you can't even like do any deep thinking anymore. You just find just somebody like who's interesting. <laughs> Exactly. You just like go walk around your neighborhood and you dial somebody interesting in your sport and you hopefully talk for like 30 to 60 minutes to be reinvigorated and re-inspired. And a podcast is so helpful in that regard because it's super hard for me to say, Hey, Dylan, Dylan Bowman, can I just call you and we can have like a conversation that is just going to live between us in perpetuity it's much easier to say, Hey Dylan, I have a podcast. It has an audience and I'd love to talk with you about X, Y, Z topics. Will you do it? Like the instant answer for the latter one is yes. And I wasn't going to be able to explore my curiosity about all of these inner workings of mountain ultra trail running. If I didn't have that, that bridge in between myself and the people I was interested in, I didn't have that value add for them. It was basically just me saying, Hey, I'm curious. I want to pick your brain there was nothing in it for them. So I needed this. That's so fascinating. I started a podcast because I was, I was already having those conversations and I found it to be selfish to keep them to myself. <laughs> and which is basically saying the same thing that you're saying, but in a different way, like curiosity leading to conversations with good people. I mean, like I was, I was doing this for work and meeting people like Zach Miller and uh, all these types of like really incredible athletes. I mean, the number of times that I I had like a, an hour conversation with Devin Yanko and I was like, should have just recorded that. Um, so many. And, and then it got to a place where I was like, you know what? Like, this is it. I must. It was a conversation I had with Zach Miller where I asked that he was running 160 miles a week at the time. And yeah. I still haven't had him on the podcast. I need to do that. But I asked him, like, why are you doing that? And he spoke for 10, 15 minutes without stopping. And so now I'm in a place where tomorrow I'm running with Kara Goucher. I run with Gwen. I run with Kat all the time. And like, sometimes those runs feel like cheating on my audience because there's so much value gained in those meetings, like in those runs, I, I've become such a better athlete and such a better person. And like a, um, the information or the the back and forth or the curiosity that gets obliged or I don't know what the word is um, met in in those conversations like that's truly why I started podcasting and then after the so yesterday was the New York City Marathon and then after the marathon I saw a bunch of tweets that said um, 
So one of them was from from Holly. She's fueled by lols on uh, on Twitter. She's very fun to follow. If, yeah, yeah. For those follow who her. for those who don't follow her. Um. Anyway, she was like, I don't want to hear from the the same five people that are going to go make the rounds on the podcast after New York City Marathon. I want to hear from people that are finishing in the dark. I want to hear from the people that you know took six hours to finish the marathon. And so I put out a call. And I was like, if this was you talk to me, like reply, let's talk. And so I've booked up a couple of those conversations and I'm curious your thoughts on this. It's such a fine line between like growing the audience um, and like having people on that people will click into versus like having really interesting conversations with people that, you know, have a hundred followers on Twitter and like nobody's ever asked them their story before, but their story is probably so relatable to everyone that's listening to this podcast right now. I got to go back for a second to what you said, because I thought it was brilliant about quote unquote cheating on your audience and therefore feeling like you need to put all these conversations on the record. And I think this is a, this is a rhetorical question I ask myself all the time, which is how can we democratize these privileged conversations that were happening? And I always think about I go back in time to like 2016, 2017, when I was living in Maine, I had no running community to speak of. I wasn't in touch with anybody, or I think about some random guy in remote North Dakota who probably loves ultra running, but just has no community around him. Nobody to like... Bounce ideas off of. Bounce ideas off of and just confirm his identity in the community. And that's why I think that what we do is so cool. there, there was one other inspiration for me to get single track off the ground. And it was an episode of the Billy Yang podcast. We should put this in the show notes because it's so good. It was the conversation that he had with Topher Gaylord back in 2017 or 2018, where it just felt like one of those conversations that Billy and Topher might've been having behind the scenes in Chamonix, like before or after the race, but like they pressed record and got it on the record. And Topher talks about like what it takes to break into the outdoor industry and how he got involved in the early days of the Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc event and sponsorship and stuff like that. And and that to me was one of the few conversations at that point in time that I felt was like a truth teller type conversation. And really, I felt like I was a fly on a wall of just a really rewarding conversation. So I I just wanted to go back to what you said about like cheating on the audience because I think about that all the time. And I think about people that are totally isolated, that love our sport and how can we bring them um, into those figurative smoke-filled rooms of our sport? So that's 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 the goal of this podcast, right? I want someone listening to feel like there's their fly on the wall with the conversation with someone interesting. And yeah. when I finish an episode and I feel that that's the that's the vibe, like I'm so pumped. I, I I'm like I nailed it. I nailed that one. And so. It's so hard, right? With So I did my first 50 episodes in person and it's a lot easier to feel like a fly on the wall. So cool, by the way. It's, I mean, but that was, the, that was, that was how I was having the conversations originally. And so the only change was sticking a mic in front of somebody's or putting a mic in somebody's hand and letting them talk as we sat on the couch or whatever. And so the, the next 200 episodes, almost 150 episodes, probably like 80% of those were digital. And so now like we deal with the the variability of someone's internet connection being a challenge. Like 
I just had a conversation with Chelsea Sadara, who finished first at Kona uh, this past year. And Mm. I felt like we had a really good conversation and it left me wanting more. It left me wanting to sit down on a couch with Chelsea and like hit record again because the technology limitations were were impeding our ability to like have a back and forth. Now, so I've switched over to Riverside. This is not a plug or it is a plug. It's not like a sponsored plug by any means. You, you, you had me. Be nice if it was. Yeah, yeah. If Riverside, if you're listening, um, this is the platform you used and that's, that's where we recorded. And so it's like a, such a, like it looks like I'm just looking at you and I mean, your setup is better than most. Your internet's stable and reliable. Your sound quality is excellent because Google, you have a, the Google internet's amazing. Yeah. Because you, and you have the, the same mic that I have, but like we're able to have this dialogue and you can start speaking and there's not a, there's not a lag. And so the challenge that, that I've had with so many of these episodes is that there's a lag in discussion. The Canyon Woodward episode, I could not tell you what Canyon looks like because the internet was so bad. Like I couldn't pick them out mm-hmm. of a lineup and we still managed to have a good conversation. Um, Christopher McDougal, same situation. Like I could barely see him and I wanted to have more of a dialogue. And so it's like a, such an interesting challenge of the the... like. I want this to be a conversation between two friends and I want to talk to people that like don't live in Boulder. Uh, so it's like a, it, it's definitely a challenge and I'm building this podcast studio and home office so that I can have a more reliable experience with the in-person guests and like be able to, to actually sit down and have it look like, feel like, sound like, two friends sitting in a room talking or two friends sitting in a bar talking. And I totally resonate with what you said. Like you want to talk to those people that are, we keep using North Dakota. I mean, like I know plenty of people who can't find community in big cities. Um, So whether they're in Manhattan or San Diego or anywhere in between. um, Yeah. That's, that's the vibe that, that I'm going for. By the way, one thing I want one other thing I want to mention is, and it's something that I appreciate about you, and maybe we'll talk about your your gym setup that you've rigged together in your backyard. But I always appreciate like whenever you see a problem like in your own life, you're like, fuck it. I'm just gonna do this myself. And like you built like the sauna, the ice bath, you have a, a hex bar deadlifting setup out there. Same thing with YouTube. I was like, I think one day I was like, dude, like you should get on YouTube. You're like, fuck it. I'm getting on YouTube. And like <laughs> you're building this studio and it's probably gonna be even sicker than mine. And uh I just appreciate that, man. Like good stuff. Thanks. I mean part of it is cost savings. Part of it is like I want the best experience possible. I mean, some of that, some of that, um, strength stuff or the, the ice bath and whatnot, like some of that stuff was a gift. Some of it wasn't. Um, but my justification with all of the, all the, some of that, it was like, I'm paying $1,500 a month to go to a gym or I, I was in the past after a couple of years, like that pays for all your stuff. And then it's in your house. And I I'm supremely invested in the idea of spending money to save time. And if you can do things that add time back into your day, because it's the only thing that you can't get more of, no matter how much money you have in the bank, like that's worth it. So yeah. I was going to um, I was going to a gym in Boston and I was basically only paying for a membership to use the sauna. And it was literally a 30 second walk. So it didn't feel like a huge time suck of like, I'm going to get in my car and drive to the gym and like, 
an hour and a half later, I've spent 20 minutes in the sauna. Now it's like I walk outside and it's there. And so it's not, you know, a 15 minute drive, get into the place, do this, do that. So the takeaway is not buy a sauna to like save time. The takeaway is there are things that can be done to add time back into your day, whether it's, you know, using the Calendly app to schedule meetings and, you know, you feel kind of like a tool because it's so informal, but everyone does it and it, it saves time instead of the, Oh, can you do Tuesday at 3 PM? No. Can you do Wednesday at four? No. It's just like, that's a waste of time. It doesn't need to be done. Use, use technology to make things easier for yourself. There's one other, it's just coming to mind now. There's one other thing that I wanted to be sure I added to the whole, like why I started a podcast thing. So in, in addition to potentially or hopefully filling a content void, I've always wanted to catalog the current historical moment for our sport as, as ridiculously niche as that sounds. Cause we're talking about like a subset of a subset of running with mountain ultra trail running. And when I say historical moment, I mean like, what are the athletes and the operators around them focusing on from like a training standpoint, from a racing standpoint, from a business standpoint, like what is the state of the art in all those categories? What do they care about in the culture? What constraints are they working under? What hard choices do they have to make? How is the sport changing? What is the best response? Like, for example, like right now, do we go corporate or do we stay indie? And obviously like there's security and there's growth in the former and there's imagination I mean, and some of romanticism. Us have corporate already. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So like that's super cool. And like to me, the idea that, you know, you and I get to have these conversations and maybe 10 or 20 or 30 years down the road, because of the library of content we have, we could go and put a book together and, and say like, this is what the, the top athletes, the top operators, the top minds in our sport, this was to the best of their abilities, what they thought was the best course of action in like this avenue, this avenue, and this avenue. And I love that opportunity. So I don't think that like the payoff is immediate. It's totally an experiment and delayed gratification. But I think that what each of us and anybody else that's a podcaster in our sport is building becomes like the ultra running or running equivalent of the library of Congress. And we can go back and and point to like, you know, you mentioned Abby Hall earlier and Killian and Jim and Topher Gaylord and Dylan and Corinne and Kara Goucher and, you know, to expand beyond ultra running. Like, I think that like, that is super cool too. Like that's our, that's one of our many cool investments that if we want to cash in on via like a book or a movie or something later on, it's super cool to me. So out of all that, what's been the most surprising thing of, of this era that, you know, I'm assuming you had some hypotheses when you started this and you, you're a curious person as well. So you probably are constantly testing those hypotheses. What's been, what's been super surprising for you? I think one of, there's a lot, like if we go back to like the corporatization of the sport versus the sort of low key, you know, non built up type format of the sport, especially as it pertains to ultra running. It's shocked me that the people that are worried about the increasing corporatization and UTMBification of our sport think that the existence of those things and the growth of those things is a bad means thing. that they're, well, it's a bad thing, but also that they feel like as those things grow, for some reason, their area of the sport is diminished. And I don't think that that's the case at all. In fact, sometimes 
the best way for things to thrive and grow is when they have a foil, when they have like a quote unquote other or enemy or something to vilify. And in this case, like UTMB is like the perfect pinata for that. You know, they can just take a bat to it all day. And like, I mean, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but like, for example, uh, Ultra Trail Cape Town, which is an event that I'm covering later this year. I'm pretty sure I'm, I, I might need to be fact checked, but I'm pretty sure like they had a chance to become a part of the UTMB World Series. They said no, and they're going at it alone. And they're recruiting a great elite field. They're having no problem selling out. And to some extent, they may even be like presenting themselves as the alternative to what's going on in that corner of the sport. So it's shocked me that people feel threatened by a change in one corner of the sport and that they don't see it as just a natural evolution of what happens when things get bigger. I think that's a, or that's a pretty astute point, right? If, if, if things never change or if you don't grow or evolve, like that's, that's bad. I had a now ex-girlfriend tell me that I changed. I was like, fucking right. I've changed. If I hadn't changed over the last three <laughs> years, like that's, that's bad. You don't want to stay the same person. You don't want to stay the same brand. You don't want like the, the news changes or like our world changes every 15 minutes. And if, if you're stuck in this era of the way that it used to be, the way that it should be, the way that I want it to be, like it's going to pass you and you're not going to have any influence or ability to play in the, in that sandbox anymore. And I think we're all evolving. We're all growing and media is growing. The athlete sponsorship model is growing. Uh, races are growing. And you see the the conversation around uh, trans and non-binary runners and people are offended that yeah. these categories exist. It's like, it doesn't affect you. Let people be who they want to be and, and go get mad mm. at like something that actually matters versus like spouting off in the in the comments about you know you being pissed at Havelina for being a, a 2022 era race <laughs> like it's crazy that 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 kind of stuff um anyway or or looking well yeah go ahead oh i wanted to say one thing because you've allowed you've given me the opportunity to like use my business school degree for the first time in my entire life. Um, Your parents will be happy. People who've gone, people people who've gone to business school will crack up at that uh, joke I just made. Um, but there's this concept made popular by a guy named Clayton Christensen, and it's you're, you might be familiar. It's called the Innovator's Dilemma, which basically says how do you keep your business or in this case your sport from clinging to its past so much that it becomes the past. And with that knowledge to work against, um, how do you keep revolutionizing your thinking, your processes, et cetera, so that it's relevant in the current moment? And I've really personally taken that concept to heart with my own podcast, but I think it's good for anybody in the sport that's interested in the past, present, and future uh, to think about themselves, whether you're a runner, a podcaster, a race director, um, a social commentator, anything. I think that that's like a critical framework. And uh, you just reminded me of that there. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's, that's a, a good point. Um, I mean, it's the same thing when you look at people who are frustrated around athlete performance, not being as tied to contracts as it, as it happened to be 10 years ago. 
And that sucks, yeah. right? Like athletes want to perform and they want to be compensated for performance. But the world has changed. The way that like performance is not rewarded in the way performance is not rewarded today in the way that it was 10 years ago. And the fact that you ran really, really fast doesn't sell shoes anymore. The thing that sells shoes is that you're an interesting person and your story is relatable. And you happen to have these principles that allow you to compete at a high level. The principles are consistency and growth and um, genetics and you know all these factors that that contribute to it. And so there's some camp of people that is frustrated that and you know shaking their fists at the way that they want it to be. And then there's the realists or the people who understand reality that. Things have changed and you just lit up there. So I, I'm curious like what you're thinking. Well, I'm so glad you brought this up. And I think that this either comes naturally to people in the podcasting space like you and I, or just by default as a means of survival, it just, it dawns on you. But I think that this is, it's great that we are moving from performance to let's call it storytelling in terms of the role that athletes have to play in our sport in, in terms of getting contracts and marketing and stuff like that, because relationships only work if you're generous. It, you know, if you, if you give, if you give, if you give, if you give, and you're empathetic. Um, I don't know if you follow the, your boy, you probably do the, your boy Scott jerk account on Instagram. Like he has this running joke about how race reports are so stupid and nobody reads them. And I get that because most race reports suck and nobody should read them. But I think they suck because people are just so consumed in themselves when they could make a little bit of a tweak in their writing to think with every single word and every single sentence and paragraph and report that they write, they, they tie it back to the consumer. Like how, like when, when somebody, when, when you win, a, and here's like the mental model, like when you win a race, let's say you're Jim Walmsley and you win a race, how can you convert that experience of winning the race to something that the fan can utilize in their own life and, and get value from. Same thing with the race reports you write, the Instagram posts you make. You have to make that conversion in this day of age. You have to, you have to be generous with your knowledge. You have to create and perform with, uh, with all of that in mind. And, and it's, there are a few athletes out there that I think have, have gotten that message and are, and are doing it. And I think a lot of the content that resonates in this sport is because it's so generous. You and I, we talked about Keely Henninger last episode. I think she's like a paragon of generosity. If you read her Instagram posts about Inside Tracker, I'm not plugging them intentionally. Uh, she writes in a way that is not self-congratulatory. It's all about like, here are my experiences written in a way that ties it back to the experience of the person reading this content and how they can benefit. And I think that by default from today onward, if not this already starting many years ago, athletes have to think with that frame of mind whenever they're running, performing, or creating. And if they do, they're going to be incredibly successful and there's going to be contracts coming their way and uh, riches to the extent that we can say riches in the world of running, like things are going to work out for them. But it's not if they're just performing, but then doing it all with in, behind closed doors. The Galen Rupp versus Elliot Kipchoge conversation. Galen Rupp, Galen Rupp is, I think that like he's an exception to it, but he he's like a dinosaur. Like I think that like 
the Galen Rupps are, I don't think that the next generation of runners is going to have a Galen Rupp. That's probably my bold prediction. I'd like to uh, have Siri remember this sentence in 10 years and we can fact check it ourselves. Yeah, but but <laughs> so look at Kipchoge. He, he is objectively the fastest person, fastest man in the world, fastest person in the world. Um, and to him, speed is an expression of his gift, which is show people that there's more possible. What is more? More is more. They're like, <laughs> I was on a run the other day and it was a group run and someone was like, are you the guy that talks about uh, breaking two as your marathon goal? I was like, yeah, I have tweeted that before. Um, because unless you are Kipchoge, a, a number has has no meaning attached to it. You do not know what the story is behind that number. And even if you're Kipchoge, that number has inherent meaning in that it's more than anyone has ever done, including himself, mm -hmm. most importantly himself. And so the idea is that like without without knowing the story behind that number, it's completely worthless. So I may as well tell people that, you know, my marathon goal is breaking two because, mm. you know, I have friends that have run 235 the hard way and 235, like if I ran 235, like that's a lifetime best plus a few more minutes probably in terms of like my yeah. ceiling. Um, and that, that same number or three hours or five hours or seven hours or whatever the number is like, means totally different things to different people and, and remove the, the story behind it or, or add the story behind it and you have something interesting. And so for him, the story is the unlocking of the human potential and no human is limited is, is his thing. And so the athletes who follow that model of value add storytelling um, I mean, we 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 spoke pretty explicitly to pro athletes in the in the prior conversation that we recorded, and it's like the same thing in this one. Whether you're a pro athlete, you're content creator, you're a podcast or whatever, like adding value is the way. Whether you're, I mean, even if you're a race director or whoever listening to this, I I love the conversation with Scotty on. Um, he talked about how he makes X number of dollars a year and basically spends all of it, all of it on mm. giving back to the community. And so mm. I, I, I took that conversation. I was like, well, what, what can I use or take away from, or take from sponsors and leverage that to adding more value? And some of it is starting YouTube. Like I'm not just bankrolling the, the ability to, to put out, content on YouTube um, or create a podcast studio or whatever. It's it's all facilitated through the sponsors that enable this show to actually be produced and be produced by people that do a much better job of it. But my goal of it is like, I want to grow this podcast to reach more people and like have more of an impact. And the um, it, it's, it's that fine line of like every single person is meaningful every single person that you can influence and and touch or or whatnot is impactful and nothing more paramount when i had this conversation with joe holder and i was like joe what's it like having you know two hundred thousand followers and knowing that you're impacting all of them he's like man i don't care if i impact one person that's awesome and i'm like yes that's true mm -hmm. and if you can impact a lot of people and help a lot of people feel awesome and validated and whatnot then 
then that's great. And like the conversation I had with Allison this year, we talked about a sense of belonging and the number of texts and messages and DMs and whatever that I got after that one. I was like, I, I must keep putting out information like this and I need more people to hear it because like, this is the kind of stuff that, that I want out there, that I want people to hear, that I want to hear kind of a thing. And, and so for me, it's like this constant recycling of sponsor money into growing the sport, into growing the audience, into grow, like helping everyone have this better experience. I don't give a shit about the, the number of dollars that I take in. To me, it's like, what can I do with that money? And what can I do? How much can I do with it? And like keep reinvesting it. Like I'm spending like four grand a month on, or more than that on this podcast. I love that. <laughs> and, I love and that. it's like, it's a bit of a gamble, but it's, it's a fun gamble. And it's, it's like, it's worth it to me. I want to ask you one more question on sort of like the content generosity front. Are there any, you mentioned Elliot Kipchoge, which is a great one. Joe, are there any other people you've had on the podcast that you felt like by default when they were explaining their life experiences, their accomplishments, what they triumphed over, et cetera, they presented it in a way that like the listeners could really easily take nuggets from and apply to their own lives. Like when they were listening, they would feel like, there's a reason I should I should keep listening right now because I'm going to gain something from this. I mean, Brad Stolberg is the easy answer there. Um, I yeah. learned a lot from that one. Uh, Lottie Albertson Junkins, yes, um, that one was fantastic. The episode I did with Shalane in March of 2020 was basically like a dear runners of the pandemic <laughs> uh, conversation because that was like done two weeks in, and I wanted to have her on to basically like level set, and her guidance was who knows what the next week is going to bring, let alone the next six months, nine months. We could be in this for two years kind of a thing, which mm-hmm. ended up being true. And her her guidance was stuff the silo, fill, fill the silo with a lot of miles. And whenever this crazy thing ends, quote unquote, I don't think it's ended, um, whenever we can race again, the people who did a good job of of like, remembering why they did this, thinking about gratitude, appreciating the ability to line up on start lines. Like those are the people that are going to crush. And mm. that was true for Shalane. That was true for Powerman. That was true for her athletes. And that was true for anyone who listened to her guidance in late March of, of 2020 when there's probably never been less certainty in the world ever. Um, those are the ones that, that come to mind. I want to say um, people like Gwen Jorgensen, Kara Goucher, like there's inherent learnings in there. But then you have stories like, um, I'm thinking of Amelia Boone, Molly Seidel, people like that who told stories that, um, so Molly's episode was the most listened to ever, I'm pretty sure, with Amelia's mm. pretty close behind that. They both spoke pretty candidly. I've had Amelia on twice and both of her episodes have been incredibly um, well-received and, and popular. And I, I don't know, I must have received 40 messages after Molly's episode of people just saying like, wow, you were speaking directly to me. And I internalized it and I appreciate it and I learned from it. And like, 
that's the conversation I want to have. So when I saw Holly's tweet of, I don't want to hear from the same five people over and over and over again, telling the same story. Oh, it was a hot day in New York. I don't really care that it was a hot day in New York. Why did you keep going? What are the things you're struggling with? How did you get from start to finish? Oh, it's dark. Oh, they removed all the all the tables and there's no more water and you have to bring your friends along on a bike to to enable you to like reach the finish line. Like that's interesting. You could have just gone home when they said the race is over. Uh, but but now we have this <laughs> the the finish line project where I was watching Ali Feller until 11:30 p.m. cheering in the last the last runners and now it's like a a movement. Like those are the people that you know, it takes them seven, eight hours to finish. Tommy Pusey took him s- almost seven hours. Tim Tollefson, he he paced someone, I'm pretty sure. And it was like seven, seven and change. Like, I got to ask Tim for a connection to that person. Um, I don't know. To me, like, we have this opportunity to... Sorry, I've turned from like host to guest here with how much I'm talking. Oh, dude, but, no, I'm, I'm captured. You're good at it. I'm fascinated. <laughs> um, but like we have this we have this platform right and i think it's like it's our responsibility to avoid being a complete waste of space with for those of us that have an audience and i'm not like throwing daggers at people who do the who do the other stuff but and there's certainly an appetite for it otherwise it wouldn't exist right like <laughs> the way i'm going to say this makes it sound like i'm coming after her but Ali Feller's podcast is like the top running podcast. And it's very much um, it's very much talking with the top runners, but also people with really interesting stories and pulling out the the like nuggets of learning and stuff. I don't want that to sound like <laughs> that probably sounds worse than what I was intending it for it to sound. There's definitely an appetite for the the entertainment aspect of the sport with with sure. the the sprinkles of tons of value and Allie is incredible and she's she was like one of my motivations for thinking about podcasting she's a longtime friend of mine through November Project and it's been like really cool to watch this like empire she's built and how people are so fascinated with everything she says and they go to events and group runs and like we have our different buckets of tactics and ways that we communicate with our audience and those those types of people are also doing the work of having the conversations that need to be had and it's great to see someone with the reach that she has using it in a way that is like helping the world right there are plenty of people who have an audience that that's that size and they just like talk about fluff and daisies and unicorns and this stuff all the time. And that's what I'm saying is a waste of a waste of an audience. Which, which by the way is totally fine. Like for example, you know, at the end of a tough work day, I'll be like, you know, to my partner, Hey, can we go watch like succession <laughs> on HBO or uh, billions or just billions is or great. Like the wire or <laughs> billions is a girl like, or like the wire. And she's like, look, I, my brain is fried. I just want to watch like Love Island or something like that. And like, that's okay. Yeah. And like, it turns out that's probably what I should have been watching too. And like, we tune in, we decompress. It's awesome. And like, for, I don't, and I'll just say this to the audience. Like, I don't think single track is a place that you go necessarily to, tune out to decompress. Yeah. It's a tune no, out. It's no, like an no, intellectually like, curious uh, conversation. So yeah. And all I'm saying is like, 
there's there, like you just said too, there's, there's a time and a place for all of the podcasts that exist in our sport. And without a doubt, you're getting different flavors with all of them. And, um, I've actually never listened to Ali's podcast before, not because I'm not interested, but I just, I'm so stuck in my orbit of trail and ultra running that, um, like the only people that I know exist outside our world are like you and Chris Chavez. <laughs> so I highly recommend Allie's podcast. She has like 10,000 episodes. <laughs> so you can, you can pick whoever you want to listen to. Um, I think she's been doing it since 2017. Another one that is completely different than, than yours or Dylan's or, or anyone's is Emily Abadi with hurdle podcast. Um, she seems fascinating. She is fascinating. I have I have heard of her. Yeah, and her her life experiences matched with her education and career background in journalism and writing um, sets her up to be really, really, really good at what she does. And um, mm. like I, I've sat in on a number of. She did an event with um, Des Linden with us. Just she did one with Shalane with us, and steers an incredible conversation. And is also talking about like the big stuff as well as the the more entertaining aspects of of the sport. And I, I think you've done this pretty well. And it seems like a lot of other podcasters in the umbrella running space have done this well, which is transcending the audio to live events and like in real life type stuff. It it does happen to some extent in the trail world. Like obviously Dylan Bowman and Corinne Malcolm run the live feed at Western States. They do it great. Dylan's done UTMB live coverage, but um, like being like a, like calling the shots at the Boston marathon or, or being on like Chris Chavez this past weekend, being on one of the, on the truck. Like that's so, and like, I think you've done some stuff for Tracksmith at Boston before. And like that, like that jump to me is super cool. And there's more of it coming. I was just talking with a friend who manages a lot of these budgets and she's like, brands have money. Brands want, to meet face to face with people and it's happening next year. Um, yeah. So I, I'm hoping to be a part of some of that uh, next year as well um, with the Dunkin Donuts cup in hand, potentially stay tuned for I hope so. more on I hope that so. one. But <laughs> I, I salute you for, I salute you for, uh, for going after Dunkin Donuts. That's super. Everyone's cool. like, Oh, you should seek lifetime cups life free lifetime coffee i'm like i've got to make up for the prior lifetime of coffee um dunkin donuts does have the best coffee out there so you can we can we can move on from there uh and yes iced coffee around if you've been enjoying this podcast and can spare 90 seconds of your time today can you do me a favor can you pop over to apple podcasts and leave a review it helps other people find and enjoy the podcast too thanks so much is it a good market to buy a home in? What about to sell a home? What even goes on in the housing market? How do you even keep track? Well, good news for you. You don't have to know all the answers if you're interested in buying or selling your home because you can just work with the best realtor around, Lauren Daniels. Whether you're thinking of buying or selling your home, Lauren is your go-to. She treats every client with care and helps make what could be a very scary process, dare I say, fun. Lauren helps you get organized and stay on top of important deadlines and guides you towards the right home for you instead of pushing you towards something that doesn't feel right. Even if you're not ready yet or you're not in the Denver or Boulder area, we highly recommend following Lauren on Instagram because she's always sharing great information about the housing market. Give her a follow at lauren.in.colorado on Instagram. 
And if you're already ready to start the conversation, give her a shout at ldaniels at milehighmodern.com and let her know we sent you. That's ldaniels at milehighmodern.com. Boulder Boulder. Wow, I get excited just saying it. If you're not familiar with the Boulder Boulder 10K that happens here in Boulder every Memorial Day, it's one of the most fun races out there. Runners World named it America's all-time best 10K and for good reason. This race is for everybody. It's part race, run, walk, spectacle, tribute, and community celebration. In order to get even more psyched for this upcoming race, we are hosting some 5Ks here in Boulder for folks to grab a time to get into a preferred wave. Regardless of if you want to start in the A groups, just want to move up from last year's wave, or have never run in the race before, come on out and join us in Boulder for a fun community 5K to come together and get pumped for the Boulder Boulder extravaganza. The first 31 waves are seated entry, and there are plenty more waves for all paces after that. Join us on Saturday, February 25th at the left-hand trailhead at 9 a.m. to get your time trial in. We'll be giving away some gear from brand partners like Gooder and a few others as well, so you're not going to want to miss this. Go to the link in our show notes to sign up, and we'll see you out there. So we've we've been talking a lot about sponsorship and and like what enables podcasting to work and there i don't know sometimes i feel like i go way too inside baseball and this kind of stuff and then i do it and people are like this is fun this is interesting um finn finn and i chat pretty regularly on this kind of stuff and whether it's every friday whether it's every friday or whether it's on texting or (laughs) the only cancellation is if your car gets stolen so let's not have that happen again right (laughs) um Thank you, Progressive Insurance. <laughs> They're actually huge podcast sponsors, not of this one, but in general. So you should you should seek that out. Um, That's awesome. I forget where I was going with that. Oh yeah, the inside baseball stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just some things that enable podcasting to work, and we've talked about this. And um, when I was listening to your podcast with Scotty, it was actually what motivated me to sign up for your Patreon. <laughs> because you weren't you weren't really promoting it and and so his point was like sometimes people just like want to fill the tip jar and so um i think that's an interesting model the the idea of rating and reviews this helps more than people more than people might know it more than i might know um but i've i've had i've made you know a pretty concerted push to ask you the listener or you the viewer where's my camera it's huge. It's, 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 yeah. If you're a listener or a viewer, it's, it's, it's probably in Scotty might debate the debate us on this. I think it's the most important thing you can do that in purchase, like the products with the discount codes, but I would even put the rating first, I think. Yeah. And it gets back to like, what's the, what's the goal? What, what, what are we trying to accomplish? And what we're trying to accomplish is have awesome conversations with, with awesome people and have a lot of people hear it so that we can, grow we can advance the sport right i i've talked at length about my desire to bring non-endemic sponsors into the running space because i see value and i see like what people are doing and i want to support pro runners i want to support content creators i want to support people like you who like have taken the leap to do this full time and you look at brands that play in the space that don't have like a running shoe or a sports nutrition product or a hat or whatever that 
like physically enables you to run on in that one to two hour period. But think about an airline, think about a hotel, think about like these things that enable adventures to happen, right? And they have to be brought into the conversation. So to me, it's like a, it's a fun challenge of how do we, uh, how do we bring partners and uh, brands into the sport? And, you know, this is a perfect opportunity to talk about one of the podcast sponsors, Freedom Solar. I bought solar last fall and I said, Hey, do you guys want to sponsor the podcast? They said, no. I said, that's not something we do. And then I started posting about going solar. They're like, Hey, well, this is interesting. We should, we should chat. And basically like 10 X their, their ad spend. And I promised them that that would happen. I was like, we're going to return 10 X what, what you pay me. And then you're going to start partnering with other creators and athletes and whatnot. And you're going to, invest a quarter million dollars into the space and it's going to, you know, lead to 10% of your sales in 2023. And so here's something that like, that's a commodity or that's a, a, a good that is truly good. And it allows all of us to feel good about more people going solar and whatnot. Um, so there's the, there's the upside of like, it's good for the environment, let alone the people that are impacted by them spending more money in the space but to me that's the that's like the fun challenge of how do we how do we get more brands into this space and doing creative things with their marketing dollars versus like just buying more tv ads or super bowl commercials or whatnot and that's why i think the rating and review piece even though it might seem inconsequential in the same way someone might think like oh it's just one vote on election day it's it's incredibly consequential because you're giving the ideas that we are promoting on these episodes more runway like the combinatorics of one idea meshed with a certain person in a certain station in life in a certain environment mixed with their network you never know where it's going to go and how it's going to be utilized and you never know who's going to listen to this too. And I think when you add these rating and reviews to the mix and you, you put for the long run podcast into the suggested algorithm of the VP of marketing at, I don't know, Cisco or some huge B2B software brand. And they listen and they're like, wow, like there's actually a time and a place for us to invest in this sport you just never know. So you're, you're increasing the serendipity of these meaningful like milestone events in the growth of our sport to take place. And I think, and I know that it sounds like way overblown to be like, it's just one rating. Are you serious? Like this, you're talking about the butterfly effect. Absolutely. I'm talking about the butterfly effect. Like let, let all of that take shape and you'd be surprised at what's going to happen. Absolutely. Agreed. Um, and that's just one rating, one review. Please do it on the single track podcast on for the long run. It takes five seconds. Please, please, please subscribe on YouTube as well. <laughs> um, YouTube is another interesting, uh, endeavor We're talking a lot about it at work and for the podcast purposes. And we're just starting to understand the YouTube algorithm as well. And the reliance on shorts and this kind of stuff. But yeah. again, not to get super, um, into the weeds on on that kind of stuff, but I, yeah, I find it to be another interesting medium of like how to communicate with people and and the face to face aspect of it as well. Where if you're listening to this podcast, like I've had people stop me mid sentence, having met them at a race or whatever, yeah. and they're like, 
wait, do you host that podcast? They never see my face, but they've, <laughs> they've heard hours of my voice. And it's, a, and it's such like a bizarre, like you don't know what somebody looks like, but you know their voice and you have that connection to them from an auditory perspective. And, and to bring it, you talked about Abby Hall earlier. I love Abby. She's awesome. And, but she's, she's locked up, right? Because like with Adidas Terex, she's head to toe in their gear and she has limited opportunities when it comes to exploring partnerships strictly in the running space. But I follow Abby on Instagram and she's got this incredible fashion sense, this incredible design sense. There's so many opportunities outside the world of running for her to utilize if she wants to. And you know, when you talk about non-endemic stuff, as we are in this podcasting world, sky's the limit for athletes as well. And uh, sky's not the limit because airplanes are an option too. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So I just, yeah, I, I, I love that that's, that that's something that you're making a lot of headway on. And like, you know, it makes me realize sometimes how small I'm thinking. Like the other day you texted me like, hey, Finn, I think I'm going to go for Dunkin' Donuts. And I'm like, shit, I was going for Ultra Spire. Like I need to change my... No, but I don't think there, I don't think there's a problem in that, right? <laughs> like we talked about the different audiences for podcast listeners. You talk about different audiences. I mean, like I, I couldn't go after a B2B brand, but but you could because of the types of conversations that you're having on your podcast with industry executives and, and whatnot. Um, I just had a thought and I completely forgot it, but damn, it was a good one. <laughs> if you come back to it, just interrupt me and just give me a, give me like the bat signal or something. Yeah. 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 Um, man, I, 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 like, I have some athlete recommendations in this space. Actually, this is the one thing I did write down about like this space. Um, so I'll list them off because I think these are these are some good actionable takeaways. And I'll, I'll, what I'll do is I'll list them off and you can poke holes in them or if there's just any, any that are interesting, we can go into them. The first one, in this day of age, in the 21st century, being a, being a pro runner and you're thinking about sponsorship and whatnot, be a relentless combiner. So as we talked about with Abby, maybe bring in the fashion sense, bring in the music influence, the software influence. Think about your interests in other areas of life and try to merge them. Don't be one-dimensional. Be a renaissance person. Number two, I know you'll love this one. Don't just build Instagram followings. Don't just build Twitter followings. Build email lists. If internet Armageddon happens tomorrow and everything blows up and the algorithms change or companies get shut down because of their relationship with China and Russia or something, the email list will always be there. Number three. Wait, can we go, can we go one by one? Yes. And then, and then go to number three. Yes. Okay. So for the first one, um, completely agree. I surveyed this audience of listeners and now viewers <laughs> to uh, like, see what they, what they do outside of running. Right. Because nobody listening to this podcast just runs. Right. Nobody. Zero percent. And what I found was 25 percent have kids, 70 percent hike. Uh, it's 55, 45 in terms of the split between trail and and road focus. Uh, 60 percent have dogs. Um, like. 40% of people ski or snowboard. Like mm. all these people have such different interests and the opportunity isn't just, just to talk to them about running or, Hey, this is the best way to run, or these are the best foods to eat as a runner or like best super fuel, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, that's incredibly limiting and it ends up being a competition between like finding attribution and different podcasts and different athletes and partners and whatnot. Whereas like <laughs> I reached out to, 
a dog brand. And I was like, you should be in podcasting because 60% of my audience has a dog. And these are the like intuitive, aha, uh-huh, like, or, or not so intuitive thoughts that um, when you go a little more into the weeds, it, it, it's like a light bulb that's like, wow, that was so obvious. I can't even believe it. Um, to your second point. Oh, I want to say one more thing on the first point. There's a great Naval Ravikant quote who's famous in tech Twitter. He founded AngelList, all that kind of stuff. And he has a quote and he says, escape competition through authenticity. Nobody is better at being you than you. And when I talk about the combinatorics of like your design interests and your running interests, like that's unique. And like, you can't assume just because you think about something all day that everybody thinks the same way. In fact, people probably don't, and that's your superpower, and you should put that out into the world and uh, stand on it. Totally. And one thing I want to like flag here is someone listening might just be like, the audience... So, so the goal of, of partnering with a brand for the podcast is not just like whore yourself out to a bunch of different no. <laughs> companies. It's like the goal is always how do you as you said, be your, your authentic self, make recommendations that, that are valid and organic and authentic. And we've talked at length about like the number of brands I've declined that came in, you know, with a big dump truck of money trying to say, Oh, we want to advertise in your podcast. It's like not that easy because it's all about trust, right? The people listening may or may not know me and maybe they've heard you know, this, a handful of, of brands mentioned a handful of times, but like, if you get those products, you're going to like them. And if you don't, please let me know. Um, but there's th- that trust that once you break it, it's gone. And it's really, really hard to, to get it initially. And it's really, really, really hard to get it back. Earned in drops, lost in buckets. <laughs> I love that. Oh wow, that's really good. Um, yeah, totally. And so, so to me, like I sit on both sides of the equation, right? I see the value of partnering with a creator or an athlete or whatever to like sell product, but it's also a way to connect with the people who are going to appreciate that product that they're buying. And so, like when I again to talk about Freedom Solar or Tracksmith or whatever, like the experiences I have with these people and the people who are who are a part of the brand. Like I just had um, Colleen Clark, who's a regional sales manager at, at Freedom Solar on the podcast. I'm going to have uh, Drew Hartman, who's my digital marketing contact at Tracksmith. Like these are people that are just awesome people and they, they happen to work for these brands. And I only buy stuff from, from good people. And I, I, I think we're all in a place where there are so many like snake oil salesmen and shitty companies out there peddling, you know, the, the next hack or the next, you know, best thing or whatever that like, I find it our, our duty or our responsibility to highlight like the good ones and the ones that are doing things Amen. to help. And it just so happens that they enable this podcast to happen. And it just so happens that, you know, they, you know, that kind of stuff that allow for growth of, of that. But again, it's, it's, it's a choice and it's, it's all about trust. Couldn't agree more. 
What was your number three? Well, two was the email list. Did you want to talk about oh, that? Right. Mark? Yeah. Yeah. The email list. Um, so every so often these tech companies will have power outages or their servers will go down and um, somebody who makes their living on Instagram or TikTok or whatever is like, well, what am I going to do today? And is it coming back tomorrow? And like, will I be able to eat dinner next week? Um, and so it's really important not to be at the mercy of somebody else's platform. I mean, look at Twitter. Look at what Elon Musk is doing to Twitter. First, I think it's all these parody accounts, absolutely hilarious. I saw one today that was like, uh, instead of a blue check, we'll be planting a tree in Israel uh, in your name. And it's just like really funny if <laughs> if you get that reference. Um, <laughs> but just like all this, all this, like a month ago, there was none of that. And, and there weren't people leaving this platform in droves. What if you have a million, uh, I was going to say Twitterers, followers, and like that's what's paying your bills, like brands paying you to tweet, and all of a sudden it's gone. Like, you have to, you have to insurance proof or or foolproof all all that from happening. It's it's terrifying, and I suspect. I mean, there are certainly exceptions to the rule, but I I suspect most athletes in the sport have not invested in email lists for the same reason that most people probably haven't done a great job at saving money and throwing money into their Vanguard accounts and buying I bonds because we've had this incredible bull run for 12 years, 15 years. And that, that applies to social media as well. But building an email list is tough. It's, it's a reversion back to the days of having a personal website and blogging regularly and providing value independent of the platforms. It's super tough. But the payoffs are amazing because like there's no there's no algorithm for the inbox. Like we still live in an it's era. Timing, yeah. It's it, we still live in an era where you could be Bill Gates, you could be Jim Walmsley, and if I send you an email, it's going to arrive at the top of your inbox, and you're going to at least see it. Now, granted, there are like you can hit like spam filters, filters and stuff and, like that, yeah. but it's much more cut and dry and straightforward than the machinations of Instagram and Twitter and whatnot. Yeah, completely agree. Um, an athlete I want to call out is Kat Bradley. Uh, you've had her on the podcast. She just launched a podcast. She launched a newsletter. Um, Matt Daniels is is thinking in similar ways. Of Devin Yanko. Devin Yanko. How do I like future-proof my current self? And so again, this is mostly speaking directly to athletes here who make a career of the sport. Uh, and I do know there are quite a, a lot that listen to this podcast, and um, it's the future proofing, right? It's like how do you how do you control your own destiny? Um, Matt or Cat? We need Devin's name to rhyme as well. But like those those athletes could could have zero top performances ever again and be fine mm -hmm. because they've created they've created a connection with their audience and they're creating a continuous way to communicate with them. And whether that's a podcast, a newsletter, coaching, or, or some other method, method of um, like back and forth. I uh, trying to find, cause I always, I love providing like good frames of reference outside of the running world for athletes to latch onto. There's a, uh, the guy who wrote atomic habits, 
His name is James Clear. If you go to jamesclear.com, that entire website, like from his blogs to his book pages to his newsletter, the only call to action across that entire site is to collect an email address. He's not asking you to buy anything. He's not asking you to like follow him on social media. He's just asking for your email address. And he's one of the best bloggers of all time. And like, I'm not sure that we have a James Clear in the running world, but like, if you're looking for a blueprint as an athlete for how to convert, you know, visitors to your website into email addresses, like his website's amazing. And important to note that he's giving away a free chapter to his book in exchange for that email. Yeah. And so again, it's not, yeah. it's not, it's a little transactional there, but there's a, there's an exchange of value, which I think is important. He's leveraging SEO and email big time. Those are like his two marketing, marketing uh, strategies, which I think is, it's <laughs> people have bashed SEO. They've bashed email collection for like 15 years and it's, they are the cockroaches of internet marketing. <laughs> like just they just don't away. die. They don't die. Yeah. So um, getting back to some of the principles that uh, I discuss on a more regular basis on this podcast, I'm curious um, if you were to fast forward 10 years, what, what you'd be really proud of having accomplished. <sighs> Going to have to edit out this pause. No, the no, pause makes it. Um, Enter dramatic. <laughs> I, I would be, I'll be proud in 10 years if I relentlessly adhered to my curiosity and my interests and didn't ever resort to, uh, we'll call it like the slot machine scenario or the playing to the algorithm where I found something that worked where like I could flood the algorithm with a certain type of content or I could do something on Instagram and it would build the audience. Like 50 people could be listening to this podcast on a regular basis, 10 years from now. And I would still be stoked because I had, I had stuck to that. Like I, I had that childlike curiosity going into every single episode. I wasn't regretting anything I published. So I think it comes down to that. I love that. I think curiosity has been one of the most um, permeating, the principle that permeated the most recurring principle of high performers in like a more conventional sense. And it's interesting, right? Because it's so subjective, but it's, it's like a, it's a pursuit that you control and it's something that is all about your own experience and your own learnings and your own growth and this mm. and that. I think that there's a lot to take away from like how you answered that question, but also um, it's cool what you answered it, what you answered it with. I would also say that uh, the mission is never to take the audience for granted and the audience doesn't owe me anything. And just because I'm now making a living off of it, albeit a tight one, um, <laughs> I can't take anything for granted. I haven't, I haven't made it and I don't, I'm not owed anything and it could all burn down tomorrow and I have to be okay with that. Um, there, there, I don't, there's nobody that uh, it's, it's a, this is, this is a, every single time I hit record button or I go on your podcast, it's a privilege. Yeah, it's, I totally agree. Um, and it's, it, I think it's useful to have that reminder. Um, this podcast is coming up on 
four years, which is crazy. Um, and like podcasting could die. Congrats on a million downloads, by the way. Thank a million you. downloads Thank is you. huge. Um, part of me is like chop wood, carry water. Part of me is like celebrate the shit out of that milestone, but like also think about the next one. But yeah, again, like this is all curiosity for me. I had Kevin Rutherford, the former CEO of Noon on the podcast. It was probably episode 160 something. And he was like, why are you doing this? Why do you still do this three years in? I was like, because I learned something every single time that I get on the mic and pop on the headphones and listen to someone who has mm. very different life experiences than I do or similar, but different in some ways. And to me, that's the value. And it's it's the same in a, in the same light that um, so my friend Laura Green ran the New York City Marathon this weekend, and her mantra was nobody cares. Does she do those Instagram shorts? Yeah, she's okay. amazing. If you don't follow Laura Green, go follow yeah. Laura Green. She's, that, she's that's amazing. The C, that's, that's a, a bright CTA light in from, our sport. She's hilarious. Um, and so her thing was nobody cares. Like you could tell your friend that you ran two and a half hours or seven hours and nobody cares. They just want to know about your story. And for me, it's this, it's like that, it's the same journey of this podcast. Like I could have one follower, 1 million followers. I could be, you know, Joe Rogan with hundred million followers. Like to me, it's like, it's the same thing that you said. It's the curiosity and the growing or the, the growth that occurs every time we do this. And mm ask questions to people who are different than us or similar or have experienced the world in a different way. Like I got a message about my conversation with Allison Desir and I was like, this is why I'm doing that. Like, this is why I need to keep doing this. And, and like speaking to people that I, I need to learn from, let alone, the, let alone the audience needs to learn from. Um, so yeah, I, I love that answer, which um, segues into, my next favorite could question. I, could I yeah. say one thing? Yeah, one, yeah, yeah. I, me, can I run through that list really quickly, finish it up? Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. The third one is invest in the medium that suits your personality and skill set. So like you mentioned, Matt, Devin, Kat, that's three. Number four is regularly network. So like my colleague, Brett Hornig does this well. He calls like seven elite athletes before every single race he does and gets their opinion on stuff. Uh, five is go to a lot of events. Don't isolate. And then the last one is get good at storytelling. And if you want, we can unpack that, but that's the rest of the list. All really good feedback. Um, Ruby, who is listening to this episode, is our show notes specialist. Um, I'm sure she'll be, she'll be taking notes of, uh, of that, that list of five. Um, I just want to talk about her for a second. She is a, a collegiate runner who is so passionate about the sport that she's working with a bunch of podcasts and listening to um, she's basically the behind the scenes of a handful of different podcasts that you may or may not know. Lindsay Hine, um, the female athlete endurance podcast as well. And um, I've been working with her for a year, I guess a year now, mm. six months, long time. Anyway, um, talk about like invest in the areas that you, that you thrive or invest in the, in the, pieces of the puzzle that you're good at and let somebody else thrive on the rest. Like she's done an amazing job on, on this one key aspect that, that is so important. And it's really cool to see 
whether it's Kat with her podcast and realizing that social media is not her game, but podcasting is, or Matt with in-person, a focus on in-person coaching and camaraderie and teamwork and, and the Boulder Boys, as I think you called them. It's really cool to see when people become specialists and when they become part of a team with a bunch of specialists. I mean, my my experience in my day job has been a bunch of generalists and really good sort of renaissance marketers who have slowly evolved into hiring tons of specialists. And it's really it's like a really cool thing to watch evolve and watch happen. But and um it's it's really it's really cool when you have like a, a a group of people who are really good at a certain thing. So I guess the takeaway for someone listening is like figure out what you're really good at and figure out how to do more of that and offload the other stuff. Yeah. That's one of the cool things. Like you don't have to feel the pressure to be on a platform that's not well suited to your skill set. I mean, you could be there and like to your credit, you've done an amazing job at outsourcing and there's always going to be people on the internet, whether it's Fiverr or some place, maybe your more DMs. your DMs where people are more than willing to help you build an identity uh, if it's TikTok or, or, or wherever. Yeah. Yeah. Seek out help. Uh, people love, people love it. Like, it's like crazy how Second nature, some stuff is to some people that seems so hard um, to others. Okay, segueing into one of my other favorite questions, Here. Um, which is success and defining success. Uh, how how does Finn Mendelssohn right. <laughs> define success? And 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 how does how does Finn? Define his last name or say his last name. Just kidding. It's a joke because of uh, another podcast he was on. <laughs> Shout out to 10 Junk Miles. Uh, there's a great, how do I define success? There's a great book by, well, there's a bunch of great books by Joseph Campbell, who's famous for popularizing the hero's journey in the American consciousness in the second half of the 20th century. And he's big on this whole idea of following your bliss and the belief that whether or not you choose to acknowledge it, there is an inner voice in all of us that wants us to follow a certain course of action in life. And it's our responsibility, especially if that voice has been shrouded or hidden or whatever due to various life circumstances, uh, to uncover it and to, to go and do it. So success to me is aligning with that in adulthood, because, um, I think I mentioned that in Naval quote earlier, like there is a combination of traits that each one of us has that, um, if we recognize those things, there, there's a station in life for us to, to go to with them and to, and to, and to be a productive member of society for. And, uh, I think a lot of the depression and the anxiety and all of the other mental illnesses that we're, we're grappling with as a society, to some extent, a lot of it has to do with uh, being divorced from that calling. So I think success to me is is finding and then relentlessly adhering to that path. And as a as a thought exercise, how do you how do you find that path? So this is yeah, I'll say like 
This is gonna. I, I couldn't. I couldn't let you just have that one and not give a a tutorial. This this is gonna sound well. I'm 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 embarrassed to say this, but I should also say that I expect my guests to be honest and forthright and to provide value to the audience. Like two years ago, I started uh, experimenting with psychedelics, and I swear they provided like two or three decades worth of therapy in one session. And at least in my experience, one of the benefits of psychedelics is the thought processes you go through. And I would describe it like somebody opening the top of your brain and forcing you to consider thoughts and talents, et cetera, that have been with you since childhood that you need to at the very least acknowledge and know is the true path. And so I almost received directions maybe one or two years ago. And, uh, I've been on the course ever since. And I think for me, it was just, run- I mean, again, totally anticlimactic in the sense that my directions <laughs> were just to be in the running world, you know? Yeah. Like, I, it wasn't like go and found Extreme a new, revelation. Go, go and found a new religion or like go run for political office, like, or like go become like the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. No, it was just like, hey, I think you should have like a bunch of conversations with like runners and like talk about running. And I'm just like, all right, well, that's super underwhelming, but like right on. <laughs> uh, yeah. Another way to put that is like, do more of what sets your soul on fire, right? Like yes. think about what makes you happy and just do more of that. And if that can lead to a job, it can lead to a job. If not, it at least it steers you in a path that makes you happier it, it, for some part of your day. And and I should say like 1 million percent not condoning drug use, not condoning psychedelics. Like there are multiple paths to these revelations. In fact, a lot of the aha moments- Go for a long I've, run. Exactly. No, no. A lot of the aha moments I've had in life have come from a, a long run I've been on or at, at an event where there's like just, I happen to be in a circle with like three or four super smart people that have made me think about something differently. And then it triggered some- memory earlier in life and I sort of connect the dots. Like I just, I feel like I just used a shortcut, but there's way, there's, there's very much opportunities to uncover these things in our current, uh, consciousness. I love that. Um, back to the creative process around the podcast or the, the process around the podcast in general. Um, what's, I, it's 2022. A lot of people are probably thinking, oh, I should start a podcast. Um, what's one thing that surprised you or that you wish you knew when you started? I often ask this question related to running, but I'm going to ask it related to running podcasting. How non-technical the process has become. I think that uh, I was super intimidated by all the bells and whistles of audio and video editing and uploading things to YouTube and I use Buzzsprout. I think you use Anchor, like all of these different RSS feeds and stuff. Like there's so much terminology and, and bullshit around that. And we've gotten to a point with all of the platforms you can use, like we're using Riverside. I use Descript for like final editing. It's, if you want it to be, it's all so simple. Um, like if you're worried about the technology piece, that's actually the last thing you should be worried about. The, the big thing you should be worried about is like, guest recruitment and conversational flow and stuff like that. Like don't let technology be the, the, the hindering factor. Um, unless it's your bandwidth. <laughs> unless it's your bandwidth. Yeah. But like, and, and I've always been shocked at like each juncture where I've wanted to evolve as a content creator that like 
for me, the reason that I was slow to start was because I was intimidated by the technology. Like I remember, or a couple weeks ago, I went to the Havelina hundred. Um, I was there pacing, crewing my, uh, frequent co-host of the single track podcast, Brett Hornig. And I was like, Brett, like, I really want to, you know, do like a little video of you in the race. And, uh, I don't know, I have this GoPro, but like, I don't know how to turn it on. I don't know how to like film. He's like, dude, like hit that button. It's point and shoot. And I'm just like, ah, shit. And like, I did that. And like, there's an automatic stabilization thing in the camera. Like you don't basically does the edits for you and adds a bumper on both ends. And then just like, the only thing it doesn't do is post it to your social feeds. But even that's gotten, there's like an app on your phone now. Like it's, you don't need the the bottom line. You don't need to be Steven Spielberg. You don't need to be Billy Yang. It's the technology, like the, the layers of, uh, technology have just been so reduced. It's, it's amazing. I want to just, you mentioned Billy Yang, Uh, Billy Yang's conversational approach has been one that I've tried to emulate with this podcast, which is like, ask questions that matter versus like, Oh, what did it feel like? Oh, like, I don't know, bullshit stuff. (laughs) I, I always found his ability to just like dive straight into it. I mean, so much so that some of his episodes just like, right from the jump it's like big talk big talk big talk mm. like really really impressive how mm. how he does that um and the the call to action i guess you could you could take away from that or or whatnot is like try it in real life right like i love this medium because we've been going on for an hour and 45 minutes which is now technically a long run um <laughs> Uh, and save for looking at the James Clear website, like we haven't done anything else in that in that period of time. I've talked at length about the um, like when I started the podcast, it was in person, it was face to face. We were three feet away from each other. There were no distractions, and I've I've often asked my guests, like, when was the last time you did that ever, like with your family, with your partner, with your best friend like it, like it never happens anymore and so if you're listening to this in addition to all the other mumbo jumbo that we just talked about in terms of potential takeaways like try doing that once this week and and see if if you're a better person even just temporarily um, afterwards because i think it's in this world where we're like so so hyper connected um, we're also so disconnected all at the same time mm. Have you ever seen, there's, maybe we'll add this to the show notes, but I don't know if you've watched Saturday Night Live at all, but they had this funny skit maybe like three or four years ago where it was about how men typically have difficulty having like intimate one-on-one conversations about tough issues. And like, if you just put two microphones in front of them, it solves all those (laughs) issues. And of course, like the skit was sponsored by Squarespace in like stamps.com. Manscaped. Yeah, (laughs) Manscaped. Yeah, we'll, we'll link to it in the show notes. It's super funny, but I just thought that was one of the funniest things. That's so funny. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, maybe that's why there are so many podcasts with uh, with, with co-hosts out there. <laughs> Just like a, a therapy session. Um, which, jokes aside, running is not therapy. Therapy is therapy. Podcasting is not therapy. Um, anyway, I think we're both both fans of that medium as well. For sure. Um, Finn, this has been a pleasure. Uh, Scotty, sorry we didn't go four hours we'll have to we'll have to do this again soon but um seriously uh i 
I enjoy our our one on ones. I enjoy the the creative collaboration and um, the the good old one plus one equals three analogy. So uh, for those who who don't follow you yet, uh, where can we follow find you on your corner of the internet? Yeah, on YouTube, I am the Single Track Podcast. Uh, on Apple and Spotify, I'm the Single Track Podcast, and there's you can find if you're looking for it, you'll find my ugly mug there, and uh, in the in the thumbnail. Single on Instagram, I'm Run Single Track, and Twitter, I am I think it's Melanson Finn. I think I had Finn Melanson as a handle at one point, but I lost it, and so I had to do my name backwards. And uh, I would also say I think we talked about it earlier, but like one of truly one of my favorite things to do. If you're somebody that's working in the outdoor industry, you're an aspiring pro runner, a pro runner, anybody that's just like trying to, in some way, shape, or form, trying to be full time in this sport as a athlete or operator, or whatever. I would love to chat. So, um, like the same way that you and I, John, we chat every Friday. Like I love just hopping on the phone, off the record, just talking about the sport. So that's my call to action. I would say. Cool. What do you have against double track or fire roads? By the way. <laughs> <laughs> I like, you know, I, uh, it's great. I'm stumped. <laughs> um, amazing. Finn, thank you so much. Uh, we're also going to try a little, uh, this or that. If you have another minute here. Hell yeah. Well, a little new segment. Um, I think I, I, I know the first one here, phone call or text. Never text me. I am a terrible texter. <laughs> like you're on. Call do not me. disturb all the time. <laughs> call me. Call me. Uh, coffee or tea? I want to say tea. Truly, like I, I'm. I'm. I'm enamored of uh, the Eastern culture, but it's. I'm coffee right now. Dunkin' or Starbucks? <laughs> Neither. Wow. Okay, this has been nice. So, <laughs> um, uh, podcast or music? <sighs> Super tough. Oh, gotcha. I love, He's say I music. love, <laughs> you know, just cause you said music podcasts. <laughs> uh, what is your bedtime? Last night, Super Pratt, 845 PM. Nice. Um, who is your running hero? Oh my gosh. <sighs> I need, I need to think about this one. That's a great question. Andrew Sock Alexis. Cool. Uh, worst bonk. Mm. Talking about running here. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, 2018 Western States 100. I ran that race as if it was a hundred K and basically broke tape at forest Hill. And, uh, <laughs> walked those 30 like did a walk of shame 39 miles to placer high school like truly a walk it was terrible amazing um person or animal that you want to run with i had a dog growing up part Brittany, part border collie and i just wasn't into running at that point in life but she would have been the best running partner and she, i mean she ran independently it was awesome so i would say like at one point in time when my partner and I have more land, we're not living in downtown Park City. Maybe we're out in Park City or something like that. Or sorry, downtown Salt Lake City. I would love to get like an Australian Shepherd or just any of these dogs that are like born to long run. And uh, I know that's a super basic answer, but like running side by side with a dog, I think is so special. 
perfect place to end. Couldn't agree more. Finn, thank you so much for for this uh, this chat and all you do for the running community. My parting words, uh, and this is on the back of the last issue of the Whole Earth Catalog by Stuart Brand. Stay young, stay foolish. Love it. Thanks so much. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next time on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too. This podcast and the accompanying music has been produced by Brian Walters of Single Track Sound. For the Long Run's logo was created by Vanessa Wolf of Sterling Wolf. Show notes have been written by Ruby Wiles and is managed by Emily Holland. It takes a village. 